0: stupidly you could be whatever you want to be even someone good
1: as for your questions i am kang the conqueror i have come from the 41st century traveling to this backwater time period for one simple reason
2: to eliminate you from the timeline Glorious.
3: Don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: As for your questions, I am Kang the Conqueror. I have come from the 41st century traveling to this backwater time period for one simple reason. To eliminate you from the timeline.
0: Glorious.
3: Don't forget to like and subscribe.
0: Where to go, Tick Tack? That's how you find Dance off, bro. He's a friend from work. I
4: can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I'll show you to
0: last us. Higher further, faster, baby. We have a heart. We're gonna jump spaceship and get out of no, and we no a hey, hey, it's you It's I'm I'm how dare they?
4: We got it. Okay, cyber. Let's just, just where we were at, and we're good.
2: <laughs> so, hello, everyone out there in the streaming world and live stream world. Uh, welcome to our live stream. We actually were in the middle of starting the live stream and didn't realize we were live. So, if you're coming in on this at the wrong time, we'll just kind of get you up to speed here. So, we've been talking about the intro to the episode of Loki, episode six. Uh, talking about how they showed the the timelines and, and all the craziness going on. And we all each gave kind of a little bit of our, you know, our thoughts on that process. And now we're talking about Miss Minutes and just what, uh, how we felt about Miss Minutes. Like where we thought she stood from the beginning of the show to come, coming into this episode. Because we all of a sudden see her pop up at where he who remains uh, is living and so we are basically just going through that and uh, catching everyone up to speed. We know that Jonathan Majors is playing a specific character in this episode, and we should be seeing him again uh, in the future in the MCU. And uh, we're just going to keep going with that. So, uh, Alexis, uh, what do you think about Miss Minutes? What was your thoughts on Miss Minutes?
0: I had a feeling we'd be seeing her again, but that's because I follow Tara Strong on Twitter. Uh, I follow a ton of voice actors on Twitter, uh, and she, first of all, she's a very opinionated woman, and she is a massive animal rights activist, so she has a very interesting feed, so, you know, I, I recommend checking out her Twitter page. But she did drop a few hints. It's like there's more to Miss Minutes than meets the eye. And I had a feeling they weren't going to go with she was, I don't know, like another Loki variant or something. I thought that would have been a a, a funny twist, but I didn't think they were going to do it. But based on what she said, I was like, yeah, something tells me we're going to keep seeing this character. Not to mention, you have one of the greatest voice actresses currently working. Yeah, you're going to use her. (laughs)
2: Very true, very true. And uh, just, I mean, the fact that she keep she kept popping up in different episodes, we knew kind of like she was going to be a, kind of an integral part of, you know, there, something going on in the background. The man behind the curtain, as Lord Deathman and Taylor both have mentioned in the past. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Miss Minutes?
4: Well, I, I, again, I completely, totally was off on the Miss Minutes deal because I totally um felt like we probably wouldn't even see Miss minutes again in the series. I really didn't even expect her to pop up in the finale. I was surprised as as I was surprised as, as just as I was surprised with a lot of things that happened in the finale, I was really surprised and shocked to see her just like pop up right off the bat like that um you know, I mean, I really I felt like she seemed different to me. Like, um, the way that like Tara Strong portrayed Miss Minutes or like how she sounded, she seemed like she had more of a personality or like more character almost to me. Like, um, and you know, when she was explaining to like Sylvie and Loki and everything, what all like, um, you know, the one who remains could offer them and everything, um, I think that everything she was saying was tangible i think that those were good, those were valid offers i obviously i understand why they why they didn't like realize that and why they balked and everything i don't blame them but i mean i realistically believe that like those were things that they could have given them like i, I think that i think the um the one who remains or kang or whatever you want to call him definitely has the power and the ability to to have done exactly what she offered to them um, and I feel like it'll be interesting to know in season two what Miss Minutes gave Ravana Renslayer um, when she gave her whatever information or downloaded whatever on her on her um, uh, what do you call it uh, temp pad. Um, it'd be it'll be interesting to know what information she shared with Ravana Renslayer, just because you know I don't want to get too far ahead, but it seems like. Ravana Renslayer really doesn't know what the hell's going on, just like it, just like nobody, and you know, just like nobody else really knew what was going on in, in terms of the TVA. Like she didn't know about Kang. She didn't know who was, you know, uh, you know, she didn't know who was who was running the the, the the TVA. Um, she just like strongly believes for whatever reason in their mission. Um and so I mean, you know, I guess as far as Miss Minutes goes, like Alexis said, I think that um I think that the the, uh, the voice acting is great, like um, with the character and everything. It's been a fun character in the show and everything. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of role Miss Minutes plays in season two.
2: Very much so. Very much so. Um, we actually have a comment from Mr. David R. Hi, David R. Thanks for stopping by the live. He says, the statues at the arrival have the clock face of Miss Minutes. That is some amazing respect for an AI interface. She finally got to be entirely honest in this episode, which I totally agree with. That uh, I did notice at the you know when they did arrive that there was the clock looking statues and so forth, and that I I was figuring that was referring to Miss Minutes. Uh, I think that's totally uh, a really good uh, you know interface and respect, and I think a great way of sending off Miss Minutes um, because I mean I remember in the very first episode when we got introduced to Miss Minutes, I knew I wanted to see Miss Minutes throughout this whole entire series because I just found her very fascinating and just fun uh, to look at. So I think that's a great comment, David. All right, so so basically we, we get that introduction from Miss Minutes. They're, she's basically trying to... Uh, you know, entice them, basically, as, you know, she's like, oh, you can have the world how you want it, and this and that, and, you know, the, both, the Lokis are not buying it, and they proceed on through the castle, and that's when they get introduced to He Who Remains. Now, He Who Remains, as soon as he popped up, as soon as it showed him, uh, I was kind of like thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder who this is going to be, because I had heard um, that they had cast, you know, Kang, they had cast somebody to play that particular character, uh, but I actually hadn't, I did not realize that he was actually, uh, African American. I had no idea that, that this actor was because I hadn't seen any pictures of him. So I was kind of like shocked when I first saw him, like, oh, who is this guy? Um, until they started saying he, who remains. So I was want to know what your guys' reactions were when those doors opened and they showed, uh, th- this great actor. Uh, so let's start off with you, Lord Deathman. What did you think?
1: I think my mind and my heart sort of just fell into this sub-basement of total wonder and amazement. Jonathan Majors is a fantastic actor. I can't say that I've been tracking his career since the very beginning, but I did see him in The Five Bloods. I did see his work in in Lovecraft Country. So I I knew he was fairly talented. And when the announcement kind of came down that he was going to be playing Kang in Mania in the Ant-Man film, I, I thought I, I thought of s- s- said to myself, you know what? Um, at this point, I think we're at a point with trust in the Marvel brand where I, I don't need, need to lose sleep over the fact that they did a race bend on Kang or anything like this. But I have to tell you, and all of my fellow champions on the podcast of champions and on the Sakaar message board will tell you, Death Man bet against Kang in this series <laughs> and, and, and i told everybody i told everybody look if he shows up i will be like a kid in a candy store i would love to but i i kind of felt like you know gun shy because of wandavision and all the most that went on there i was like ah they're probably going to save him for the big screen and we're going to see him in ant-man in a proper theatrical release but when they opened that door I was literally dumbstruck. My jaw was on the ground. And then without missing a beat, Majors just gives you this incredible performance as what I'm going to call he who remains slash immortus. Uh, and and to bring you to the end of Kang's journey first, I, I again, my, my brain was just totally cool whip. And I was like, "This is how you sci-fi and fantasy in the franchise, right? This is how you do it. Incredible! Um, I loved his rendition uh, of kind of immortus, kind of weary but somewhat insane from the isolation. His back and forth. I mean, you you get on a you get on a soundstage with somebody like Tom Hiddleston and DiMartino. you, you know, you're you're not there with slouches and and majors totally." commands that stage but um to really address the parts where you start to talk about race there's always a lot of conversation around inclusion there's always a lot of conversation around representation I um for 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 me this is kind of a race blind sort of situation I think they found a great actor to play the part I'm it, it is kind of you know, cool that the invisible hand that is guided all of time in the MCU and and is the architect of existence is a man of African descent. I, I think that's totally cool. But um, as, as far as I'm concerned, they just found the right guy for the job. And Ant-Man, Quantumania shot to the top of my list with a bullet as the number one MCU movie that I have to see now because of what Majors managed to do in this episode.
2: Nice, nice, yeah. And just to clarify that, uh, uh, what I was saying before is I just didn't realize that, you know, majors who he was. So when I finally saw him for the first time in this, I I was just kind of blown away because I've always known Kang as a blue guy. So like <laughs> him being him being this like just this normal looking black guy, I was like, like who is this? So I had no clue. So it had nothing to do with actually that you know I could care less than who he is. I just think that that blew me away because I had no idea who he was. So I think that was a great new send to an introduction to this character. So Taylor, what do you think about that beginning scene, uh, all of a sudden that door opening and seeing uh, He Who Remains?
3: Yeah, well, the interesting thing is um, I, I knew it was the actor who had been cast to play Kang. So I knew it was Kang. But people who don't follow the... Uh, you know the MCU news as closely as we do may still not know that that's Kang because I don't think they ever said the name Kang in the in the episode. So there may be people out there who have no idea who this who this person is.
0: He dropped a um, few lines about being a conqueror. He
3: did but say never a conqueror.
0: The, yeah.
3: <laughs> yep. Yep. Again, depending on how well you know the comics and how closely you follow, which are, you know a large part of the MCU audience don't follow the comics very closely. Um, so I think there's a lot of people who won't know at this point, and there's a lot of people who are are aware that he's Kang, but don't know all the details of, of all the different iterations of Kang in the, in the comics as well. I can put me in that boat. I've only seen like one or two iterations of Kang and only, only, you know, very little of it, but the actor, you know, he did a great job. I, I, I've seen him in other things, but only in small parts. I haven't seen any of his big roles, and in this one episode he did a fantastic job and I loved the uh, I didn't mention it earlier but the the setting the, the design of the castle both both inside and out was amazing on the outside it looks like it looks like a Bavarian castle like like Neuschwanstein if you've ever been there but of course it's in a haunted forest on a mountaintop like uh, you know like um, something out of Lord of the Rings something like that and then on the inside is this huge cavernous uh, hall with giant statues uh, timekeepers and all this other stuff and then there's a, and you can see from the outside you could see that there was a t- one tower that went up above where there was a an enlarged room up there and i am assuming that's where they ended up going uh throughout and so not to get ahead of, of where we are now i loved that and i i, I think the the actor portrayal of kang was, was spot on
2: <laughs> thank you very much yeah that's i would totally agree he was very good i mean he was super funny, I thought, and just brought gave a really great delivery so i was i really enjoyed his performance and just like a great introduction to you know this character you know he who remains who like we said he's never been mentioned as king yet, but he has been mentioned as the conqueror so i mean that was kind of a big giveaway there so what are your thoughts on this scene uh alexis?
0: I really didn't think Marvel was going to go this way. Uh, again, similar to what Lord death mentioned, I figured that this was going to be a Mephisto switch that it was, I, I, when people asked me who I thought was in the Citadel, I said, I wanted it to be Kang. I wanted it to be Kang because we had seen so, so many Easter eggs, especially in uh, the previous episode when they're wandering through the void, that, were just all dropped and, and all were, you know, made you think of Kang. But I really didn't think they were going to go with this. So I put, so, so if I had to put my money down, I put my money down on it's going to be another Loki variant. You know, it, it's going to be the whole it was Wanda all over again thing. And when that door opened, I saw Jonathan Majors, who I didn't recognize at first. I mentioned this prior that I only know him from Lovecraft Lovecraft Country, which he was amazing in, but he plays such a different character. You really don't recognize him at first. And I was just like, wait a minute. And I actually pulled up the IMDb page very carefully not to scroll ahead and look for spoilers or anything. I was like, wait, was it? That is Jonathan Majors. Oh, my God. And it just kind of blew me away that they found a way to do this and introduce Kang without really introducing him because Marvel is smart. They're not going to introduce who is probably going to be the big bad of the new uh, movies. You know, I have no doubt that Kang is essentially filling the role that uh, Thanos left behind. And he is going to be the new reoccurring villain. He is going to be the new massive threat. And Marvel knows they shouldn't introduce this character in an MCU TV series. They need to introduce him in the movies. So the idea of setting him up, but not really introducing him, hinting that he's coming, but not saying his name, that is honestly pure genius writing. I was blown away by that. Very much so. Also, I did want to also point out what you guys were talking about with Miss Minutes, uh, the idea of her offering uh, Loki the future he wanted. I think that's actually taken a little from the, there's a really good uh, Loki book called The God Who Fell to Earth, where Loki uh, basically helps save the universe, but he wants more. He doesn't want his story to be over. He says, I don't want this to be the end of my story. I want to have more. And he is given the chance to rewrite the story and become the character that he wants to be. So I highly recommend that book, by the way. It's available on Hoopla Digital. Uh, So I think they kind of took a little bit from that.
2: Nice. Nice. Thanks for dropping that book. Well, uh, anyone out there in the streaming world, if you uh, get a chance to check that out, it it might be very enlightening, as it has been enlightening to us here on the MCU's bleeding Edge. Uh, What are your thoughts on that introduction, uh, Jeff?
4: Well, I mean, to kind of like, I guess, just to bounce off of like everybody else's comments, Alexis's comments, Lord Deathman's comments. um, I feel like it is very. um, I'll put it to you this way: I I had a very, I had a very, um, very little, uh, like uh, you know, like um, thoughts. Really, like I, I, I wasn't very confident that we would see Kang or we would see any version of Kang in the Loki series or in the finale. But at the same time it made sense to me as an MCU fan. Um, and I guess as like a, uh, just a, you know, an amateur, um, content creator that, you know, likes to critique film and like, you know, and TV and everything. It, it kind of made sense to me like for them to drop, um, Jonathan majors into the series. Like it really did kind of make sense in a way. Like I get it. Um, and I think it's, I think it it really, it, it really, um, you know with with what we've experienced with the pandemic and everything and like the whole like almost 2 years without an MCU film I thank god for black widow of course um and hats off um to the whole you know everybody behind black widow because they did an excellent job making that film uh that is he, neither here nor there um essentially i feel like uh i i feel like um it's interesting to me that they went ahead and Decided to do an Immortus version, like Lord Deathman said, of Kang, um, to start things off, like to introduce him. Because I don't want to get too like too comic book detailed or anything like that, or or get you know get out of the um, the sphere we're in in terms of what you know our dialogue. But I, I I feel like it's important to point out that Immortus is like the oldest variant of Kang essentially from the comic books. Like he's the variant of Kang that like, like, like Jonathan major said in the, in the finale that he, he said, he said, I've been alive for millions of years or whatever. Like, you know, a mortis, was, has been around forever. um, Like he kind of, you know, and um, that's kind of where the character comes from in the comics. And I think it's really interesting. It, it's very, it's very um, great decision-making and, and, and great, um, storytelling that they decided to go ahead and throw him in like that, as kind of that version. And again, like Alexis has also said, the fact that Marvels does such a great job of rolling these characters into like one character, you know, like they do a good job of making sure that they're cross referencing the comic books. They're still trying to like put those comic book ties into these, you know, productions. But at the same time, where they need to, they're not afraid to take two characters and put them into one character, you know, like if they have to, to make it work, to make it flow. Um, And what I think of, when I, when I think of, of that whole situation is the fact that there are people out there who get pissed off at Marvel and at Kevin Feige for not being enough comic book accurate enough sometimes with the films and like with the, with the, with the, with the series. And I feel like, Look, I love the comics. That's my background. Like, that's what I knew before there was ever an MCU. I knew these characters from the book, the the pages of my comic books, and but still, I don't really understand sometimes how people can't grasp that the only way to make this stuff work, like from a cinematic standpoint, is to do what to make these moves that they make with that Marvel makes with these characters. You know, you can't give you can't give everybody a perfect comic book accurate portrayal of these stories and these characters sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, and I think it's an important point to kind of flush out there um, and I you know and I'm, I'm of course like you know open things up you know in terms of any anybody else's feedback on on that you know thought. Um, but I mean uh, basically I felt like I knew that it was Jonathan Majors immediately the minute that like the elevator or whatever popped open, um and the doors open and everything i knew who it was obvious to me who he was um i just couldn't figure out what the hell he was doing in the show i'm like what the hell is going on here like like i said before like you know without the outfit on without the costume without like any makeup or anything i'm like why is there just like a like naked version of like or like regular version of jonathan (laughs) you know majors in the finale like what's he doing here like you know this is this isn't kang Um, so I didn't know what to think. I mean, you know, but like, uh, but I liked it. It was interesting. And I mean, um, basically I felt like at that point in the show, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen, which is always fun. You know, like I was, I was blown away by like him popping up in that, in, you know, being behind the door. And, um, what I really loved was seeing the faces of Sylvie and Loki reacting to like, the fact that all that—that's what they were getting out of, like coming to that castle and everything, and getting past Elioth and all that and all that crap. Like all they end up with is just some freaking like regular black dude.
2: Very true, very true, very true. So I mean, that brings us, you know, uh, to what David R has said here in the comments about the apple. Uh, we end; they end up going to the Loki and Sylvie end up going into the elevator with he who remains and he's eating an apple and it's a, he says that he feels it's a fun fruit of knowledge nod. He proceeds to mind blow both Lokis and the audience. No one eating the apple now, which I think is a really great point too as well, because that is kind of a nod because if he is, you know, officially Kang and he is the older version of Mortis, like we've been talking about, he's been around for, yeah, millions of years. So that would kind of make him like Adam and Eve, like God, basically. So, I mean, that is a great nod, and I think that's a really great point by David. David has also mentioned another comment, and I'll get to that shortly here, David, um, when I talk a little bit more about that. But so now that they're in the elevator, he's eating the apple, they go to his house, you know, to his room now, and they start talking a little bit. Then it kind of pans over, and then we go to seeing Ravonna and Mobius all of a sudden comes into the picture. They kind of pan away from that. And so... Uh, I'm sure a lot of people were kind of, like, wondering, like, you know, all of a sudden we see Ravana again, we see Mobius, you know, at the TVA. We weren't sure if we were going to see Mobius again because we knew he went back to the TVA, uh, but we really weren't sure, like, in what capacity would show him. So, like, they start talking and, you know, he's like, you know, they're basically bickering back and forth. And I just think that this was a really great scene uh, between Mobius and Ravana. But then I think there's a really interesting Little thing, kind of come up that you know gives more insight to who Ravana is. So, I, what my question is for you guys is, what did you think about that 2018 uh, little tidbit that they end up bringing into the scene? Uh, let's start with you, Lord Deathman.
1: Yeah, I thought that was extremely interesting. I've I've been one of the people that thought that Ren Slayer, while acted excellently by Mbatha uh, uh, Gugu, I thought. I want to know more about this character. I want to know where does this loyalty and allegiance to the TVA come through. And this kind of gave me a little bit of a slice of that without kind of giving me like opening up the kimono fully. But I find it extremely interesting that this all kind of begins at a high school in Ohio in 2018. Like what was her deviation on a cosmic level in that role? And and of course, we have to give teachers all the love and respect in the world that we can. But what was it that a t- teacher at a high school in Ohio did to sort of, you know, um, get the attention of the TVA and get recruited as um, as a variant? Um, just backtracking for a minute, though, I wanted to point out just how insightful Jeff's comments were around the streamlining. Uh, Jeff and Alexis, I, I have to give you both credit for for this in terms of talking about how Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige. And all their producers there streamline these things and take really complicated ideas, a lot of history. We're talking six, seven decades worth of storytelling and put it together. Just get at the fundamentals of each of those characters, and that's extremely important. So while I was trying to put together my reading list before Loki, because I was like, oh, you know, my Kang might show up, so now I got to start go hunting back into the crates. And uh, okay, Rama Tut. And then he was the Scarlet Centurion and, and then he was Kang and then he was Immortus. <laughs> I'm 63 books deep in, you know, you, you can't expect this from casuals. But at the same time, they didn't dumb it down. There's still a richness with the character as we get further on discussing the rest of the episode. But yes, back to Renslayer, I thought that was a very intriguing twist. I don't know if that's going to pick up in season two. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we get more story out of her because... She's hard to peg. I want to say it would be easy to just write her off as an antagonist and a bad guy who's just a sociopath, but she really seems to buy into this dogma and this doctrine, and she wasn't completely in on it. She did not know who he who remains was. She didn't know who was behind the whole thing, but she's so rigid and so dogmatic in her thinking that she feels that it is absolutely necessary that all of existence have a project manager, you know, <laughs> but yeah, th- those are my thoughts on that. I I would really like to see more on that in season two.
2: Nice. Nice. Thank you. Uh, how about you, Taylor? What did you think?
3: Well, my only real thoughts on that was, I thought it was a really clever way uh, for Mobius to prove to the other folks at the TVA that they were actually variants and they were not created uh, by the TVA by showing them their own boss as a normal human in, a, in, in the real world on the timeline doing normal things. Um, so that was really my only takeaway from it. One, it was interesting to see that she, she was a school teacher, but I just thought it was a really clever way to bring down the TVA by showing, you know, holding up the mirror and showing them uh, the truth that we weren't all created by the timekeepers to run the TVA. We were, we were taken out of, out of other lives.
2: Very true, very true. Uh, what did you have to say uh Jeff? Well, just just go, going off of what
4: Lord Deathman just pointed out with Ravana Renslayer in terms of trying to like theorize what's going on with with that character and everything. And yes, I I think that um I think that uh Mabeth Raw has done a great job with that character. Maybe not like uh any hasn't done anything outstanding that really kind of like, you know, brings the spotlight to her or anything. But I feel like um, we've yet to get like everything that they're going to be showing us with that character. Like I think in season two, they're where they're really going to open her up. Um, And there's a lot going on with her that we don't know about yet. And I think that her rigid devotion to the TVA and to like the mission of like the sacred timeline and the ethos of like the TVA and everything I feel like fits in perfectly with her potentially later on having some type of relationship with Kang, one of the versions of Kang in some way, just like the comics. Like, you know, I I could see how that could be a springboard. That could be the connection or the tie where you end up, you know, you end up having that relationship develop later on with a version of Kang where, you know, um, Potentially maybe like the next version of, of like Kang that's like, you know, uh trying to restore the universe and the timeline. Um, you know, just like uh, you know, he who remains was, like, you know, whoever that ends up being. Um, I feel like that that'll be like a really nice basis potentially for like Ravana Renslayer and that version of Kang to connect. On like shared ideals, you know, and shared beliefs, um, because she is so focused on the mission of the TVA and everything. I mean, she literally said in the finale, like, essentially, like, I don't care if I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, this is important. This still matters. Like, we should, we still need to do this. Like, um, even even when um, even when Mobius was like, hey, like, we can we can fix this. We can like change this. We can we can make this work. Like, I thought that was kind of surprising. That kind of shocked me a little bit that he like I really kind of felt like he was going to come back to the TVA and be like looking to whoop ass. So I was kind of surprised that he was like actually trying to offer her like a, a you know, an out like a, 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 a you know, a, a peace deal Um, and still tried to, you know, still trying to like retain their friendship in a way, you know, like it's obvious that like they they both meant something to each other at some point. Um, but I'm just I'm just wondering, kind of like where I mean, what are the, what are the motivations of this character? Like realistically, like besides like her devotion to the TVA, every human being like has other desires and wants and everything. Look at uh, Mobius with his jet skis and shit like that. Um, you know, like so at that point, we saw that that she's basically just a human being from Ohio or whatever uh, that was a school teacher. So obviously like at that point she, you know, she had a life. I'm just wondering what's gonna happen when maybe like it it gets put in front of her that like she's is a variant, you know, like or maybe she already like accepts that and doesn't care. I don't know. But I mean like Lord Deathman pointed out, I think that it's um it's very, very interesting wondering what the hell could have happened with a school teacher on earth that would have created the Nexus event. Where she would have had to be pruned, or like not pruned, but like you know, but, but like you know, um, pulled out and and drawn into the TVA. Uh, like I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really like looking forward to. I, I'm, I know it's like a ways away, um, but like we talked about earlier, Cyber. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're gonna throw at us with season two.
2: Very much so. Very much so. What are your thoughts on this, Alexis?
0: Honestly, you guys have kind of already covered everything that I wanted to say about that scene, but I will add how interesting it was that uh, the actress Gugu seemed to fit into the role of a school teacher. According to Wikipedia here, she was a vice principal. It just, I don't know, just something about the way she acted, the way she looked, the way she was dressed, everything was just like, you look like a vice principal. You look like a school teacher. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, I could see her in that role pretty yeah. easily. Very believable.
2: I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Most definitely. I think she Uh, has a
4: lot of range. I don't mean to cut you off cyber, but I think that that Gugu um, Mabatha raw as an actress, I think she has a lot mm -hmm. of range because I think she's a very exotically attractive woman. And on one hand, um, and I think, you know, we haven't really seen her depicted in anything where, you know, we would, any we would look at her that way, but I think she is like, from what I've seen of her outside of the show, she is like a very uniquely uh, attractive woman uh, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, she's kind of buttoned up and everything in the series, but um I think she's very um like uh affable as an actress. I feel like she has a lot of range um as opposed to like Owen Wilson.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. She's a
3: really she's a really great actress. I've seen her in, in several other things. She's excellent. Nice, nice. Yeah.
0: You guys know she's an English actress.
4: Yes. Yep. No, yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, English yeah. accent and everything. Um, uh, and, and I know we, we can consider Wilson like a one-trick pony, but the, the trick works really well here. Oh, Cyber
2: loves talking about that. Lord <laughs> Death Man, he does. Oh, yes. Yeah. So much so. So much so. He, I mean, he, he like I said in a previous episode, reviews, I, to me, Owen Wilson is the exact same in every movie that he's in. Um, like you were saying, one-trick pony. And, I mean, he does do a decent job in this. Like, he, he's... Decent, but I swear every movie I've seen him in since Anaconda, Armageddon, you know, I Spy with Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. It's always the same type of thing. I think the only real movie he really deviates from and is kind of a little different is in the Zoolanders, uh, and then this. But that's pretty much it. Like he's usually just the same, you know.
0: War, what about the Royal and... Tenenbaums? Wasn't he in the Royal Tenenbaums? He was. Yeah.
2: But I. Think but it, it was in that.
0: It was a very small role to boot. How about his role as Lightning McQueen?
2: Once again, I felt it was Owen Wilson.
0: He was
1: in a, uh, I think it was a war picture called Behind Enemy Lines. And it was oh like, my
2: God, How yeah, did I he get right.
3: in that? Wow. With, yeah. Gene, with Gene Hackman, yeah. yeah. Yes. I enjoyed a great him in that. Movie. Yeah. He was good. He was good in
4: that. Deathman. Way to point that out. Taylor, you're right. That was an awesome movie. Like, he was actually really good as an action. uh yes. Like, yeah, character. You know, I mean that that was a great film.
2: Interesting. Anyway, so as we go you know. on here, as we go on here, uh, so you know we have that conversation. We get a little bit of more conversation between He Who Remains, and then of course, uh, after we saw a little bit of you know Ravana and Mobius talking, it kind of pans back to them, uh, Sylvie, Loki, and. Uh, you know, he remains and they're talking a little bit more and you get a little bit more information and stuff like that. And, uh, and then, you know, it's kind of interesting how they, how all of a sudden they're like, they're talking different scenarios and stuff like that. And and he remains kind of starts going in and talking a little bit about his story a little bit. And I think this is a great way to transition the episode. I really enjoyed it because he like almost goes full figure showing how, you know, kind of like what the story is And I like that – I I don't know if a lot of you noticed, but he has that, like, round stone that's on his hand that he uses to use and do different things with. And uh, when he starts doing, like, the claymation thing, showing kind of his story, like, you know, the offshoots and stuff like that of the other supposed kings or He Who Remains, uh, it made me totally think about in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when –
0: when mm-hmm.
2: uh, ego starts doing the same thing, showing That's his plan, <laughs> it totally made me think of that, uh, and I thought it was really cool that how they did that and so forth. Um, but what I'm getting at here is, what did everyone think about you know him kind of explaining you know who he kind of is? Because this is the part where he kind of goes, "I've been known by many names. I've been known as conqueror. I've been known as this and that." So I was just curious as to what everyone thought about kind of how that that combo, that conversation really kind of developed and worked in the interest of the episode. So let's start with you, Lord Deathman.
1: That was perhaps my favorite part of the episode. And it's a highlight among an episode filled with highlights. Having Jonathan Majors as Immortus, or He Who Remains, sit down and tell you the story of Kang. I kind of felt all of the same feelings and emotions when I kind of first read the early tales of Kang in the comic books. I'm like, this is really happening. He's talking about being a chrononaut from the 31st century, uh, talking about how he encountered himself, how he discovered a layered multiverse. I had, I have to say, you know, like... Um, I'm obviously a huge Marvel fan. I like DC as well too. Uh, I'm I I like the MCU. I've always loved what they've been doing for the most part. And and when I thought about this and how that story was being told, I was like, the stakes have just never been higher in science fiction and fantasy in any franchise I could think of in a long time. You, uh, th- they, they are about to unfurl existence, right? It's like, usually the stakes are, oh, you know, I got to go rescue my girlfriend, save the city, maybe stop the planet from blowing up. Uh, Maybe I got to stop the galaxy from getting disintegrated. Or maybe I got to save half of all life throughout the universe. Here, there's nothing short of all of existence at stake. And And just to have... Kang set up as this invisible hand that has been guiding the architecture of this entire system of the MCU. It works on so many different layered levels and you would think that a franchise like this would have to exceed by showing you this through action but they did it with simple exposition. This is crafted like a stage play. People are sitting down in front of each other having a conversation that's probably about to set the next five to seven years of the MCU in motion. I just think that people are underestimating the gravity of that conversation. And I know that it was kind of tropey because we see Black Panther use the the sort of uh, anamorphic holograms to tell a story. They did it in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's not necessarily a new trope, but I think it was executed very well in in miniatures (laughs) because Kang likes to tell that smaller story but it 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 was also just beautifully animated when they you see him double up and interface with himself and he's designing the resets and tempads and you you get the feeling just through major's delivery about this exchange of knowledge that then just led to a catastrophe when some of the more aggressive and hostile variants of himself came into play I just can't think of it. I mean, guys, you could call me out and say, you know what? Well, Kev, you know, I, I saw an episode of Doctor Who that was just like that. You, you could say that, and um, t- totally, <laughs> you know, that Kevin had developed, uh, that copied, Kev ca- copied something that came before. But t- truthfully, um, I'm, I'm really finding it. I- I'm gonna be so. Uh, I'm gonna be so curious to see how DC answers this multiversal proposal that Marvel has put out, how are they going to tackle it? Because I think the MCU has done an outstanding job of delivering on this concept. And this was an incredible episode.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That, I would totally agree with you there. Uh, most definitely. Uh, that brings me to the uh, comment that David R. Uh, brought up earlier that I said I would re uh, He says he knew every action and conversation up to a certain point of the conversation how many dozens of paired loki's had preceded sylvie and loki to have every dodge in place which is a really good question because in that scene where i'm talking about and we're talking about here you know he you know kang brings out those papers showing oh i knew every move that's why i'm able to dodge every one of your swipes and so forth and stuff like that so this has happened several other times because kang has been you know Basically, or He Who Remains has been, you know, doing this several different times now. This isn't his first rodeo. And I think that David Ayer has a really good point there that, you know, know, he knows all these things. He does know, and that's why he is He Who Remains and so forth. So I think that's a really cool... Uh, comment David and also I love your other comment here about uh, Lord Deathman actually got one of you to drop an Owen Wilson wow with that comment (laughs) which is hilarious that's uh, totally that wow you know and it's just real fun there that you know we finally got that wow from him even though we didn't get it from him in the actual series and uh, and it just it's just really enjoyable you know that whole concept too I think it's just great um but yeah, Taylor, what did you think about that scene?
3: Well, that scene just – the MCU never, never ceases to amaze me at how – and this is just one example – but how well they are able to do exposition, which most writers find to be the hardest thing to do. The mo- but they are able to do it in such a way that it is clear, it is not wordy. It is not boring, it is not long-winded, and and it manages to keep your attention. It's like a a great school teacher, you know, getting their students involved in the lesson. That's how the MCU is able to do exposition of these extremely complex (laughs) ideas and notions and thousands of years of history or whatever they're talking about. And yet they're able to do it in the most simple, straightforward manner. And, you know, another example is how in, Endgame, game. The uh, ancient one was able to explain time travel by drawing lights, lights in in, <laughs> in the air and showing how with, when they branch when you change something and it, but it doesn't change the original one. You know, far more clear than time travel was ever explained in any other.
2: Yeah. You still there?
1: I Taylor? think Taylor looks like he's frozen. <laughs> But I have to say, I agreed with every word he said.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, he'll come back to life.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Taylor! I was like, can we not have a repeat of this last time I was here where I had to host the show oh, for two God. minutes? Yeah, no, right? right. <laughs> I don't even remind me. Yeah. Uh, Lord Death, Lord, I don't know if you saw uh, when we I, were I
1: camping on that stream. So oh, I, okay. my heart went out to you. Uh, I was like, but you did a great job. Uh,
2: Thank so. you. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, good job. Uh, so how about you, Alexis? What did you think about that scene?
0: First of all, I was very impressed that they were able to explain uh, Kang's actual backstory with him being a 31st century scientist. I am curious, since we know that we're going to get a Fantastic Four movie coming up here in the near future, uh, if they are going to try to tie in that Kang that is Nathaniel Richards, a possible descendant of uh, Reed Richards' father. So, which also gives me- I would lose the,
1: my mind, if not to interrupt you. If that mm-hmm. happens, I will, ha- I will need a full-time subscription to adult diapers. That would be incredible <laughs> and awesome.
0: <laughs> which also begs the question, could they make- Okay, it's a superficial thing, but since- Kang is being played by a Black actor, would it make sense to cast a Black actor as Reed Richards now?
2: That's a good point. Very
0: good It's point. a
1: very good point, and I think you could go either way, because as we've mm-hmm. seen, variants can be different genders, different races. I would accept a relationship between a Kang of African descent and a Reed Richards who is Caucasian, or whatever the MCU wants to do with Reed Richards. <laughs>
0: Not to mention the fact that over a hundred years of marrying different people and, you know, breed breeding for a lack of better words, it is entirely possible to have an ancestor or a descendant as a, of a completely different race. Yeah. You know, eventually, you know, it just, just kind of becomes one thing.
2: Yes. So. Very true.
0: Yeah, yeah. yep, Yeah. That is true. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I won't lie to you. Um
4: If like, if they try to cast, the Reed Richards character as, as any other color other than Caucasian, the, the fandom will flip the fuck out.
1: Yeah,
0: they will. <laughs> well, especially since majority of fans are still screaming for John Krasinski to be cast as uh Reed Richards, which admittedly, if they go with that route, I would not object. Taylor, you're animated, man.
4: You're, you're you were like back, it's, Taylor. It's back from the underworld. For
3: a I don't know what happened, man. Uh, <laughs> I lost Connection just dropped out of nowhere. I don't know.
4: But oh I mean, man, maybe the T V fucked up your timeline. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe I the version be, we were maybe the version of Taylor we were talking yeah, I was gonna say maybe the version of Taylor we were talking to just got pruned and we just got a replacement. And That's maybe, right,
3: yeah. You see guys with black helmets are gonna step in here and pull me away at any second. That's right. <laughs> very true, very true. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I just anyway, the-
2: over the oh Ahead, i'm
3: sorry if i could real quick uh, the point i was trying trying to make before i get cut off i'm not sure exactly what point i got cut off at was how during his explanation and throughout the rest of the the episode kang very much referred to other versions of himself as completely different people because you know third person whatever you want to call it which tells me that this this actor is going to be playing very different characters then they're, they're not all going to look like him they're not certainly not going to act like him especially when he keeps talking about You know, you think I'm bad. Wait till you see the other ones if you if you kill me and break this whole uh, timeline. So I think that, you know, the the version of Kane we get in Quantumania or whatever other places he shows up is going to be very different. And I think this actor is going to have a a ball uh, playing all these different versions of it.
0: So does this also beg the idea that the majority of villains that we're going to see in the upcoming MCU films are going to be Kang variants? They haven't officially revealed who the villain is for uh, the next Doctor Strange movie. I keep hearing it's going to be a nightmare, but nothing has been confirmed for that. Uh, We don't know who the bad guy is yet for the new Spider-Man film, No Way Home. They haven't revealed that yet. Oh, uh, we don't even know who the bad guy is for the Eternals yet. The bad or guy, the, the bad deviance. guy for the
4: Eternals is the deviants. The, the, deviance. Bad, guy, the bad guy in Doctor Strange 2 is Shuma Gorath, um, who is one of the old ones from the comic books. Like, he exists, he was he existed before like the Infinity Stones, before the universe was created, right? Lord Deathman, yeah. um, yep. Um, and uh, like, that's basically like a, a guarantee, like, they've already basically said that it was supposed to be nightmare but when they switched directors from from uh um uh what's his Der- name from Sin to Raimi? yeah to, to Raimi. Raimi changed things up um and went in a different direction so um okay
0: allow me to hand in my geek card cuz i apparently missed those notifications i apologize <laughs> but still is there the idea that maybe again we've been talking about how marvel combines the elements so well the different movies could we be seeing some of these other villains that we've uh, that we've established like the one who i'm sorry i did not catch the pronunciation of that villain's name so i'm not even gonna try uh could <laughs> he potentially be a kang variant as well so
1: shumagorath go- go- is an is an ancient sort of chaos god uh, in from one of the dark realms, if 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 Marvel manages to turn Shuma Gorath into a household name, which I know they can, that will be amazing. Everyone will know how to pronounce it shortly after Doctor Strange, too. It's,
4: it's like a squid looking creature. Yeah. Like, yeah, like like in the in the what if trailer when you saw those tentacles like going after Peggy Carter or whatever, I think that was Shuma Gorath. So like, but, so, like, it's a crazy-looking alien-type, like, deal. Like, that's the thing. So, I mean, unless Kang, like, suddenly has a, becomes a one-eyed squid-looking character or whatever, you know, then... Uh, but, no, um, that's a, that is a good point, Alexis, and I definitely agree with you. Uh, it'll be interesting to see all these different variations of Kang get dumped into the MCU, and I just wanted to point out, Cyber, if you don't mind, um, earlier, Alexis was talking about... Um, the Kang kind of like filling the void of Thanos potentially in the MCU. I feel like where where we're at right now, where we're going to be having the X-Men coming in in a couple of years, we're going to have the Fantastic Four in phase five. I feel like there's no question that we're going to be getting Dr. Doom soon. If not Black Panther, uh, Wakanda forever um, soon, we're going to get, we're going to get Dr. Doom. Um, And, I feel like they're going to – I don't know. I could be wrong. I feel like Kang could be a Thanos-type type villain, but I feel like we're going to get a Magneto down the road too. And I feel like we're going to get to a point in the MCU where we're going to be like um, awash with like Thanos-level <laughs> villains here pretty soon.
0: I really hope that they – what I basically want them to do is, yeah, Kang is the Thanos. Doctor Doom is the Loki. As far as levels of villainy, you guys hierarchy. get what I'm saying. The hierarchy. Yes, that's the yeah. word I was looking for.
1: Yeah, I, I I, think already with this episode of Loki, uh, Kang's quest and his journey makes Thanos' quest look like, oh, we were just looking for Jaja Gabor's costume jewelry. Uh, Kang is just on a completely different level in terms of what he's trying to accomplish. And I do foresee... The, the MCU heroes having to deal with an army of Kang. And, and even a kill to a Kang is not the end of it. Um, he's, he's just that tied up in the timeline.
2: Very true, very true. So to kind of change things up here a little bit, uh, first, we're gonna go to some uh, of these comments over here that we have just popped up. We want to get to those real quick. But after after those, we're gonna uh, show the "What If" trailer for you guys, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But let's get to these uh, amazing comments over here. We actually have a new person in the feed here, Fresh News Two Four Seven. Want to thank you for commenting. Um, I like your comment there about a woman read would be interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, we have had several different gender swaps and stuff like that. Um, You know, it's all good. You know, we can see Marvel doing something like that. I mean, look at, you know, the direction they've taken certain things in, how they've changed different things. It's really, you know, just how things are. And that's totally fine. And then David R. has uh, mentioned a couple cool things, too. Um, you know, he's hundreds of generations removed, Kang. You know, there's no need for matching race at this stage, which is a very good point. It doesn't matter what he looks like. You know, it, it, you know, that doesn't matter at all because it's just, you know, Kang can be anything because of how many generations he's been rooted and how many different times he's been around, you know. So to change it up and do something different makes it really enjoyable and interesting. Uh, and then also gender... Uh, Gender flipping, one of the most classic characters in all comics would be a shark jumping moment, which I totally agree with that, David. Uh, Totally would be like if they decided to make Reed Richards or, or the Reed that we were talking about into a woman would be definitely that. Uh, And then also I enjoyed your comment saying they managed to get 90% of people saying Shang-Chi how they want. So when we were talking earlier about saying (laughs) Shogara, or the character we were just talking about's name, like that would be that kind of similar situation there uh, because none of us could actually say it. Uh, And then imagine the mentality of someone who considered Thanos a chump. That's just a really good one too because, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was definitely people out there that were MCU fans that, Definitely thought, you know, Thanos was a chump. And, you know, we probably some people are probably right now with just this introduction to He Remains thinking he's a chump too. So I mean that's a very good point that, you know, look at what Thanos did with the twenty three films that he was a part of. If Kang is the new, you know, Thanos, but it's gonna be interesting to see what he does because he has been around a well, lot longer.
4: Cyber I'm pretty hardcore, man, and I'm I'm not afraid of anybody. But I'll tell you right now, I don't want I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with Thanos any any day. I would not want to. I would not want <laughs> don't to. Don't be a
2: no. wussy. Don't be a wussy. I go hand to hand with Thanos. He's got there nothing is, against me.
0: There is one thing Kang has on Thanos. If Kang is able to do is a multiversal uh, creation, as we've set up here, Thanos is screwed because it's been proven in the comics and such. That Thanos' main weapon, the Infinity Gauntlet, does not work outside of his universe. The Infinity Gauntlet only works in the universe that it's created in. Um, did point. you guys? I think I've mentioned this before. You guys watch the show Death Battle online? No, uh, they I've never. I never have. I've
1: seen it occasionally. Yeah,
0: they did a great episode where they had Thanos fight Dark Side, and they proved that they were evenly matched until. Darkseid was able to pull Thanos into his own universe. Cause you guys are aware that Darkseid basically created little avatars of himself and sent them out throughout the multiverse. When he pulled Darkseid into his own home universe, Thanos was powerless. He couldn't use the Infinity Gauntlet. It, lo- it is not able- similar to uh, with the TVA and all those Infinity Stones. Like, you take them out of their, their own timeline, out of their uh, universe, their paperweights. Side <laughs> so note, the conventions are opening back up. If I do not see Infinity Stone paperweights being sold at someone's table, I'm going to be very <laughs> disappointed. Well, just to point out, in the
4: comics, Thanos is more powerful um without the infinity stones and the gauntlet, than they show in like the MCU. Like he is. He's more powerful. He can do more mm-hmm. things, um, power-wise and everything and whatnot. Like he's no joke in the comics. Oh like, yeah. You don't want to tangle with him. Um and uh as far as uh Kang goes, what's interesting with Kang is that throughout like like uh, like all the like you know millions of years that like Kang has existed in all these different Multiverse realities and everything, and dimensions and everything, um, and all with all his different like versions of Kang, he's never been interested in the Infinity Stones. Really, that's never been like his his deal. You know, mm-hmm. like you
0: think he'd care, but Kang doesn't really care about the Infinity Stones. Which is good because, as awesome as the Infinity Stones are, we need to put them to bed. Hey, we how about start-
4: how about how they handled the Ten Rings and the Shang Chi? trailer like that looks awesome
0: yes again props to the writers for actually figuring out how to make that work so well
4: right
1: without turning the Mandarin into Liberace
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that but oh my god now that you said it I cannot get that image out of my head (laughs) (laughs) that That is permanently burned into my brain now thank you Lord
4: Tony Tony Luang or whatever is a badass like I'm sorry but there's no... Uh, this version of the Mandarin that we're about to get in the Shang-Chi trailer is a
2: stone-cold friggin' killer, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready.
2: hmm Yeah. So, Jeff, why don't we go ahead and uh, run that uh, what-if trailer, sir? Let's do it. Yeah,
4: peace. I love peace. I'd be out of a job with peace. <laughs>
3: ah! <gasps> <sighs> <sighs>
1: Do we know each other?
4: Time,
3: <laughs> reality, reality. It's changeable.
4: Where you want to be? That's the question, isn't it? Every universe
2: is different. Each one unique.
4: Slow down a little bit. There's a few people in the room that don't understand. Not me. I I get it.
3: Who are you? The name's Captain Carter.
4: I am the
1: Watcher. I observe all that transpires here. But I do not, cannot, will not interfere. I guess I have to freestyle, then. Hey! We have you out there, bird. A Ravager never flies solo. I said, never flies solo. Uh, Is that some kind of catchphrase? You had me worried for a second. Journey to face the unknown and ponder the question.
0: What if?
2: All right, what if? So, after watching that, what are your guys' thoughts on the series? I'll just give a brief little explanation of how I thought about it. I'm not a huge fan of the art that they went with, the graphics and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of it. But I'm still very interested in seeing what they end up doing with the stories and changing them. Like, what if, you know, Peggy was, you know, Captain America instead of, you know, Chris, you know you know, him being Captain America and so forth and stuff like that. So I think that's a really interesting concept. I can't wait for that to start streaming in August. Uh, But what are your guys' thoughts on seeing that trailer? What are you looking forward to or what do you find interesting about it? How about we start with you, Lord Deathman?
1: Absolutely. Love the trailer. Love the style of animation. I love the fact that it's action-packed, that these aren't going to be exposition sort of heavy shows. This is going to be where you can kind of do... You're not guilty pleasuring, but it's kind of like you're you're going to be able to watch this sort of unfettered because the central concept is pretty well known. My heart breaks for DC right now because not only has Marvel introduced in a friction-free manner uh, a, a multiverse, but they kind of beat DC to the punch to it in DC in the comic books on paper have sort of owned the concept of a, of a multiverse with the crisis on infinite infinite Earths, right? So, I mean, what we're seeing in Loki, what we're seeing with what if should really be uh, happening over at DC with the Flash and all these parallel worlds and different versions of Superman. But, you know, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to get it off the ground yet. So I'm, I'm just super excited to see this. Uh, I don't think that there is as well-fed a fandom as MCU Marvel fans and and here we are again just eating well is all i can say uh, i'm ready
4: <laughs> lord deathman i think that that's really an, an interesting that you brought up dc um in your comment what's up cyber up. Um, I, I was just re- i was just remarking to lord deathman's reaction um that like i mean honestly at this point i feel like I don't know that I don't know what direction DC is going or like the DCU is going or, or whatever. I, I don't, I don't really get there. I don't know what kind of course they're planning on plotting. Um, but so like at this point, Lord death man, in terms of how, you know, the game goes between them and like the MCU and Marvel, the Marvel is so far ahead that I, I don't know if they can ever catch up to be honest with you. Although I will say that, um, I really freaking like seriously hope and like pray to God that they make a Justice League 2 with Zack Snyder. I really hope they do. Um, because I think that Darkseid, his version of Darkseid that you that we saw in the trailer for um the Snyder cut was like disgusting to me. Like he just looked <laughs> like crazy.
1: Yeah. I, I you know what i'm I'm not trying to create like a competitive environment between the two. I just wanted to say that um, every time I think about the Multiverse and Marvel and how they're handling it in live action with the MCU, there's always a part of me that says, wow, you know th- this should be Barry Allen. This should be, you know, a, a, he's the nonlinear man. He's the the bridge into the DC Marvel Universe and crises crises which have been a thing at dc since the 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 50s right crisis on earth s and and earth x but uh here we are (laughs) marvel's doing it with what if which when i was a comic book collector was more of a touch and go uh, a hit or miss i should say type series in terms of some of the the titles and the proposed questions were interesting but some of them weren't right so I have a feeling that this is something I'm going to be able to dive in and out of without having to follow continuity. Like I said, maybe borderline guilty pleasure. Um, This feels like, you know, low pressure MCU. That's just going to be really fun and and action packed and entertaining.
2: Very much so. Very much so. Uh, What do you think about the trailer, Taylor? And what are your thoughts on what if?
3: I'm really excited about it. The, the trailer just has so many images, you know, and, and you know, no idea of what any of the stories are really from that, but there's just so, so many images of so many different things going on, you know, everything, you know, from Howard the Duck on up through everything else in the MCU. So I'm really excited about it. I like the, I like the animation. I like how the action looks and it's just so wide open. It just allows, you know, these writers to just completely go to town and just do what, you know, whatever they want without it screwing up the you know, the rest of the MCU, because it's, it's an alternate history, uh, show. It's, it's an, and it's a, uh, a, uh, lost the word. (laughs) It's like the twilight zone. You know, the episodes aren't connected to each other.
2: Very much so. Very much
3: so. So again, yeah, I'm I'm really excited, but I think it looks good. I mean, the only the only actual well, I mean, again, all those different snippets you can you could talk for days about all the just those little snippets. You don't know if they're in the same episode, if they're in different episodes. You don't know if the episodes maybe they will connect, maybe it won't be a pure anthology. But uh, I do know it's 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 going to be a blast, and can't can't wait to see it.
4: It goes so quick, Taylor, in that trailer. I can't even keep track of what's going on.
3: Yeah, yeah, neither can I. That's my whole point. It's, it's so much in there.
0: There's quite a few close-ups of some characters that, frankly, I couldn't recognize who they were. Yeah, no. I, I think I saw one. Was it looked like someone had a head in a jar, a la Futurama?
2: Yes.
4: Yeah, yeah. And looked, out who that was. Was that Peter Parker?
3: <laughs> I don't know.
4: I don't know either. And who was Hawkeye? Like somebody else was Hawkeye in the trailer. Who was who was that? Could anybody tell who that was?
3: I, I didn't even see Hawkeye, <laughs> but then there was a Doctor Strange with no beard apparently, and I, I thought that yeah. was his head in the jar there for a second. But I have, you know, there's just so much yeah. going on. I think in there's there.
4: actually the multiple jar. versions of Doctor Strange in the entire What If series. I think we're gonna see like regular Doctor Strange that we know from the MCU. Then we're gonna see Ultimate Doctor Strange where he's like a like a like a, like a almost like a an entity like a like a, like he's like a supreme being um at one point but um anyway it has, guys, been, I, so it has
0: been con- it's been confirmed that we're going to see uh at least one version that it's Spider-Man with the cloak of levitation uh yeah. that's seen in the poster
3: okay
1: i'm just yep. looking forward to the zombies
0: yes yes Marvel zombies if, yes
1: did thanos snap snap half the world into undead beings <laughs> that would be awesome
2: Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Uh, So what are your thoughts on this, Alexis, on the trailer?
0: Firstly, a little moment of respect. This moment, respect, silence, whatever, that this is going to be the final thing we see with Chadwick Boseman Boseman, uh, in the MCU. He did record all of his lines for this before he passed. So just a little moment. Good point. Yes, it is. But I am really excited to see it. Yet. Again, the zombies one I am, I think, most excited for. But what I think I'm anticipating is we were just talking about how you can't really gauge a lot of what's going on because of how fast it's going. And that actually is what's got me so excited. I I want to go in wondering what stories they're going to tackle. I didn't want to have all of the episodes laid out for me beforehand. And obviously with the poster, we've got a ton of those. We've got Spider-Man with the cloak of rotation. We've got vision with all six infinity stones. We've got captain Carter. We got the Marvel zombies. Um, but I don't, I want to be kept guessing with how they're going to go with this.
2: Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that out of, you know, out of what we could see in the trailer, there is going to be a lot of like very mysterious, you know, circumstances surrounding each episode. I don't think we're going to have a lot of, you know, give and go. I think it's just going to be it's going to pop up. We're going to be like, okay, this is the episode that they're going to be doing. They're going to be doing this episode. You know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of chatter in between these episodes because I think that Marvel's trying to kind of keep this under wraps because they want people to be really surprised or shocked at what they decided to go with. Uh, and just from that trailer, I feel that's kind of the first indication of that. Uh, so like totally, I think a lot of people are very excited about, by this, uh, series and, uh, it's gonna be very interesting because I mean, we've been, we've known about it now for a couple of years now that they're going to be doing it. So it's like, you know, August can't get here fast enough so that we can actually see it. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the Jeff?
4: I, I mean, uh, again, Based off what I could what I could glean from it, just because of how quickly the trailer moves and pace, like as far as pace goes, some of it I really couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Um, but what I did see, well, for one thing, I love, I absolutely love the uh, what if logo at the end of the trailer, um, the MCU colored logo uh, with the black screen. I love it. I'd love to get a T shirt like that. I'm gonna look for one when the show's over. Um, And I love the scene they show after that where they show the classic what if comic book trope of like the watcher like Mm -hmm. in space or whatever with the silhouette and everything like um, I like that. And um, as far as like the show goes, I mean, um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I think that um, as far as the animation goes, um, I'm not saying that I'm like overwhelmed by it or whatever. I think it's the best thing I've ever seen, but. I do think it's that it's important to note that I feel like they really went in a direction with the animation where they really want to be distinctly different than like DC, like than the DC animated stuff. Like the DC animated stuff is a lot more like concise and like a lot more fluid and like, and like, uh, and like linear in terms of like how they, how real life, like with their, with their animation, as opposed to like that, you know, what if trailer where the animation is more like pastel. Like it's more dream world. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's more like fun, you know, kind of like, um, and playful, which I like. Um, but basically I feel like, um, for me, like the, the highlight that I took out of the trailer was seeing, um, uh, seeing Michael B. Jordan pop up with Tony Stark. Um, you know, like that was deep. Like, I I like that. Like, uh, you know, I don't know how that's going to play out, but that's a really great collaboration. um, you know, and I felt like I, I like the Peggy Carter stuff. I like the fact that she has a sword. I think that's cool. I like the sword and shield deal. Like I like that. Um, you know, like I like to see I like to see swords in general. Um, I feel like um, what I thought was really really neat was when they showed the original six Avengers, and they showed that scene from the the original Avengers film where they. The, the camera spins around and shows the whole team. And then they flip they it around. Iconic
0: shot, yeah. Yeah.
4: And, and they switched the characters around and like, they, they threw like black Panther in there and, you know, like different characters in there. Like, I thought that was really neat. Um, but just a second, what Alexis said, I think it's important to point out that this is the last MCU, um, anything that Chadwick Boseman will have had anything to do with. And I just want to point out that, um, my my and like all of our prayers from the mcu's bleeding edge go to like the bozeman family and as far as i'm concerned um chadwick bozeman is is a goddamn lion of a man as far as like who he was like seriously like he was a lion of a man what that guy dealt with and what he what he worked through and everything to make the films he made for the mcu i don't think people even can really grasp like what you know the totality of all of it but um so I think that was really nice of you to bring that up, Alexis, because I think it's a good point. Uh, we have never really had a chance here on this program to reflect on Cadwick Bozeman, but what a, just a great man. Like, as far as I'm concerned, if you want like a, uh, a, a role model in the black community, a male role model, well, you got one right there. Like, it's not hard to find, you know, like he's right there. Um, but as far as the, what if goes, I just think it's really like, Hey, um, it's, it's so different than anything else we've ever seen in the MCU that I don't see how it can't be awesome. It's, I'm sure it's going to be great.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, very much so. Very much so. So, I mean, you know, we have that basically that conversation, you know, King kind of gives us his, you know, backstory stuff something like that. And then basically he gives them an ultimatum, uh, Loki and Sylvie, you know, saying either it could go this way or it could go this way. And, you know, basically we end up, you know, Loki and Sylvie have a fight. They do some fighting choreography and stuff like that. Uh, And, you know, basically we end up seeing Loki being sent back to the TVA and then all of a sudden Sylvie kills He Who Remains. So what is everyone's thoughts on how that concluded, you know, after that fight sequence? Like what did you think of that fight sequence? And then what did you think about Sylvie actually killing He Who Remains? So what are your guys' thoughts? Let's start with you, Lord Deathman.
1: I loved it. I am a huge fan of playing around with time when you're telling a story uh, from as far back as, say, the French New Wave to Quentin Tarantino. I was like, wow, I I think I just saw the end of Kang's story, told from a linear perspective, that Immortus has just died, the glue who was holding the sacred timeline together, and he gives you that warning. There's this kind of Faustian element to it. You will be able to get your revenge, and you will be able to you know, get that feeling of satisfaction when you kill me. But when you do, you're going to unleash horror onto this multiverse. Um, And I thought it was just brilliant, just brilliantly conceived to sort of start this story of this brand new character who may play a big role as a villain in the MCU from the vantage point of telling it from the end of, of his story and the invention that majors does in terms of creating a character here with he who remains, isn't set in stone for what we're actually going to see when it comes to Kang uh, in the movies and probably other series. So I, I just really thought it was genius.
2: Very good. Yes, I would totally agree. I thought it was very ingenious. I thought that the whole concept was an interesting, like, way to end, kind of like their kind of segment in the episode. You know, basically given this like kind of like this out this giant fight sequence at the end, and giving us this, this really great choreography and you know sword fighting and stuff. I thought that was really uh, brilliant and fun as well. What did you think about that, uh, Taylor?
3: Well, the action was very good. The the, the choreography of the sword fight in there and the struggle between the two of them, one trying uh, not just the fight but the discussion they were having at the same time, the the debate. They were having about what to do going forward i thought that was all good the whole ending itself i'm a little bit torn on frankly um to end a season on 8 million questions as opposed to any any answers at all <laughs> um i think is a little bit a little bit too much of a cliffhanger um too much set up for, for the ne- well i don't know if it's set up for the next season or for the next movie i don't, I don't know exactly but um, the fact that we don't know what Sylvie is doing now. We, is, is she in charge now? Is she controlling the timeline? Is she the new, the new one that remains? Uh, and then the fact that, uh, when Loki went back to the TVA, apparently everyone there has been reset and don't, don't remember anything. Uh, or was that a different TVA created by the, you know, the, all these branch timelines that we, I have no, no clue. It was very, very. Uh, ambiguous and you know I guess some people like that but for me when a when a television series ends its season there should be some closure yes they could be set up for the future but there was literally no end of anything in this episode really it was just uh, more more stuff and as far as what's going to happen with Kane I, I don't know I, I was thinking well we 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 created the multiverse he, basically they just created the multiverse by killing him Uh, And we know that Dr. Strange movie is called the Multiverse of Madness. So I'm thinking that movie might be um, dealing with all the chaos created by the multiverse, but I don't think we're going to see Kang at that point. I don't think we're going to see Kang again. And again, this is just guessing. It could happen in different ways. But I think it's very possible that the next time we see Kang won't be until uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and the, Quantumania, that 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 one well, that version of Kang is dead and we, you know he's not needed for the next several movies, but another version will come back uh, in. I, I don't know what year <laughs> Ant Man is coming out, but I know it's after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness.
0: Hang but, on, uh, I'm picking up the uh, pulling up the timeline here. Let's see here. Scroll down, scroll down, scrolling too far. Let's see here. Ant-Man and the Wasp was supposed to come out 2023.
3: Right. Okay. So yeah, it is definitely after Dr. Strange. So I don't know. So like you guys were talking about, maybe Kane's going to show up all over the place. But I think it's also a distinct possibility that we don't see him again personified anyway uh, in any major way until Quantumania. But again, it can go either way.
4: I would agree with you, Taylor. I would. I don't think we'll I don't think we'll really get any form of Kang until we get Quantumania.
2: Could be Easter eggs, though. Could be a lot of Easter eggs throughout Mm -hmm. the the film. So just because he's not there physically doesn't mean he's not a part of it in some way. So, I mean, you can see a lot of Easter eggs.
3: Even in the Eternals, there could be Easter eggs of of Kang. There could be.
2: That's a really
4: good point, Mm -hmm. Taylor. There really could be because let's be honest here. um, You know, uh, not only Kang, but we could actually potentially see um, a very early version of Apocalypse in the Eternals movie because if they go back to like ancient Egypt – when, when uh, like, the, the version of, of Kang was, that was Rama-Tut um, existed. he um, went back there for n nur Yes, there you go. Yeah. So, like, we could actually end up getting an X-Men villain out of the Eternals oh. film, too. Yeah.
0: Let's and, say, let's... So, we've got the list here. The movie's coming out before Ant-Man and The Wasp. We got Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor Love and Thunder... Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and The Marvels.
3: Wow. <laughs> That's a lot before Quantumania. Yeah, Quantumania who is
2: not supposed to be till February 2023.
3: Does anybody remember when uh, they announced uh, the Loki series? People online saying, what's the point of this? This is a money grab they got this character that people like, so they're just going to make some throwaway series of him on Disney. And here it is. One of the hugest moments in the MCU, and it's going to have ramifications at infinitum.
0: That's <laughs> excuse us for wanting more Tom Hiddleston. He's awesome.
2: <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, How about you, Alexis? Uh, What did you think about that scene?
0: I had a feeling that was going to happen. Sylvie was too consumed by rage to listen to Loki. This is a character who, since she was a child, she has been in fear of the TVA. When, you know, she has been lied to by anyone that she tried to trust. Even when uh, we had that scene with the uh, animatronic timekeepers you know, the pay no attention to this man behind the curtain scene, as I like to call it. And then you have um, um, Renslayer trying to, saying, it's like, trust me, I'll tell you what's going on. And of course, she's lying to her. Uh, Sylvie is not capable of trusting anyone because everyone that she's known has tried to screw her over. So the idea that she's now finally has a chance to go after the person who is behind the source of so much of her pain. So, you know, she, the fact that I mentioned this when we talked before about Sylvie's character, this is a character who not only is unable to trust anyone, but the only places she's lived in are apocalypse settings. She can't even make friends there because she knows those people are going to die. She has been so alone and she's kind of screwed up because of it. And when she sees, um, uh, you know our proto Kang, as it were. She cannot fathom any other response other than kill him. She she you know she's listening to what he says, but she is unable to trust anyone because she's never been given a reason to trust anyone before. She just can't get over all the pain that she has been through her whole life. And while I do think she does care for Loki, though not maybe not in the exact same way he cares about her, but he does she does care about him. Her rage is more powerful than her love.
2: Very much so. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. Yeah, I, I the r- the rage and the revenge aspect of Sylvie really encapsulates her and really motivates her, and you could see that throughout the whole series, from when we first see her to the very end. You know, you knew something like that was going to happen, like she was going to have to kill somebody, and you know that basically leads into the very end of the episode. You know, giving us you know, showing that these new branches are going out of the timeline, making the multiverse a madness, basically, uh, as it's come to you know, be known. And then you know, Tom Hiddleston's Loki ends up in a alternate version of the TVA with Moby's not knowing who he is, and all of a sudden there being a statue of He Who Remains. Right. And so I think that's a that's a very interesting way of ending the season to kind of go off into the next season and give us this like really. Uh, you know, kind of like kind of a cliffhanger, a little bit because you don't, you know, we don't really get a full, complete story. It's a Massive, massive cliffhanger. Yeah. Anyone and, else
0: get a little Planet of the Apes vibe from that ending? Yeah. That was.
1: A, yeah. Very. <laughs> it was know. very much like a Twilight Zone episode. Yes. Yeah, where, I would agree yeah. with
2: that Twilight Zone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and guys, co-wrote
2: wrote Planet of the Apes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a statue of Kang. It he was in a comic that is book, Kang. accurate. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's a moment of perfect horror when Loki looks across and there's no longer a statue of three Time Lords. It, it's now been collapsed into one master of time and it's Kang. Uh, and no one, he's not going to be able to convey this to anyone else because no one has any memory of it being right. any any different or any you know different than it was before before it was now. So, I love that ending. Really really thought that was just like the chef's kiss to to just again an episode that had a ton of highlights in it and really just showed this you know, they pulled the writers from Rick and Morty and those guys are badasses when it comes to Michael multiversal Waldron. fandom stuff. Yeah. Um and man, he earned every penny on this series. Every penny.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah, Michael Even. Waldron.
3: Go ahead, Even the post-credit scene didn't give us anything. <laughs> I was waiting for that post-credit scene, and all it says is Loki will return in in season two. I'm like, seriously? Are you are you screwing with me on purpose here? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I really feel like they came into it really point planning on trying to really make a very compact, very like you know, uh, like very kind of I don't want to say quick, but. I don't think they wanted to give us too much. I think they really kind of, I mean, the the whole episode is 45 minutes with with the, with the credits. Um, I think a lot of people are surprised by that.
2: Very much so. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting that they made the last episode, the shortest of all the episodes. Um, and you know, you think you know with it being the finale, you make it a little bit longer just to give you enough time to really you know flush things out a little bit if you don't want to leave it on cliffhanger. But we know Marvel; Marvel likes to leave us on cliffhangers. They yeah. want us to be yearning for more, yeah. And that's exactly what they did with this.
3: So def- usually, definitely oh, wasn't the typical, definitely wasn't the typical MCU ending with the big CGI. Uh, battle going on. It was much, much smaller. And,
0: and it kind of what- reminded me more of the ending of uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, honestly, yep. with yeah, with Ant-Man stuck in the quantum realm yep. and yep. all of his contacts being flipped out. What about the insensual kiss? We haven't even talked about that yet. What's the deal <laughs> with that? Like, come on, everybody.
2: We, we had said- a...
4: You said it's consensual, right? No,
2: consensual. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't incestual because they're both the same person. So more, I is- yeah, know. they're not brother
0: ins- yeah. And my know. husband actually mentions like, so he's kissing himself. Yeah, I, said, he, I don't have enough time. to just himself. Yeah. This. <laughs>
4: I'm just joking. I don't care. I liked it.
0: Of course, now, you I'm did. glad they. I'm glad they kissed, and I love the line from Loki. That he, we we I expected him to say something. It's like I don't want the throne. I want you, or I want to be with you. He says. I want you to be okay. Oh, was that sweet. was such a good line. He's got a single tear rolling down his cheek. I loved it. It
4: almost broke my heart until Lord Deathman looked at me funny and I just <laughs> my pants.
2: <laughs> How did yeah, he look yeah. at you? You can't see him.
1: <laughs> it doesn't well, matter. It's the just, black just, eyes. Just it's the, the, uh, the, the, just the
2: logo or whatever,
4: or like the you know that he's got going on. Just like scares me.
0: Do you just feel feel this netherworld presence over your shoulder when you're like,
1: uh, I am trying to trip you all up with that avatar. And I have to say, guys, like, I'm really I think the whole panel is right on point in terms of noticing things about the human drama between the two Lokis. But as a comic book fan and a lover of the world building, the, the minute I saw Kang, it was like everything else just went on mute. And it was like, kitten, meet laser pointer. <laughs> and I'm just like following Kang, you know, oh, there's a love story happening off to the side here. So obviously I have to do a few more rewatches. They did great work, uh, as always, D. Martino and Hiddleston interacting with each other. You know, I was not keen on the, the Sylvie character when she was first introduced, but she becomes a lot easier to love as you're going through lamentous one and then uh journey into mystery. And now finally, Lord um, definite.
4: I, are you having a midlife crisis? Or I something? could be,
1: uh, w- well, I'm immortal, So midlife is, is relative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is <a>
4: midlife,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> indeed, but Good yeah, it, you know, um, I, I really feel, feel like it was a dirty trick they played on me in terms of bringing in Majors because he really sucked all the air out of the room for me in terms of the episode. And I want to rewatch it just to make sure that I'm not missing those human emotional beats um, in terms of the, the interactions with the Lokis.
2: Very true, very true. So usually we do a Rotten Tomatoes segment ...on the MCU's Bleeding Edge, but we decided to change things up and do an IMBD version of what we usually do, so we're going to be doing that next, and then we'll close the show out with uh, with the Black Widow trailer because we next week, the MCU Bleeding Edge will be doing a Black Widow review. Uh, to because since Loki's now over we'll start getting back into the Infinity Saga but we decided to we'll, we want to start off with the Black Widow since it's a brand new movie just coming back in theaters we want to go over that and talk all about that so uh Jeff go ahead and uh, talk about these IMDb uh, comments please
4: okay so
0: everybody For the record up? it's IMDb I,
4: okay thank you very thank you Alexis. <laughs> Yeah it's
0: don't care
4: <laughs> I would expect Sorry. you to point that out of all because you would be the person that would um, uh, just because Alexis does a lot of film reviews and stuff like that on the Rutledge and Broadcasting Network, so she would be very familiar. I'm not as familiar. Uh, so basically, these are the uh, these are the um, the IMDB reviews. And the first one, you guys can either agree or disagree with this. This episode of Loki introduces a key player in upcoming MCU films and directly sets up many of the upcoming storylines in a well-written and well-acted way. This episode ends on a cliffhanger, but does say there is a season two in the works. The acting is great, and whilst there is little action, we get the action we do get is amazing. Some may be bored by all the talking, but this episode is so important to the MCU, it can't be missed. It also delivered for its finale and didn't shy away like WandaVision did. Overall, whilst you may be left confused and bored due to the pace, this episode is well-made it has a big impact on the mcu so go from there guys what do you think cyber who, who do you want who do you want to react first on that
2: uh how about you lord deathman what did you think about that comment
1: uh i think the review hits most of the important beats but again uh I, I may be kind of out on a limb with this but i think people are really underestimating the importance of this episode of for all time, always, in terms of its future implications for the MCU, in terms of how we're going to be getting Kang as a villain and different variations of him and this concept of the mer- multiversal war, but also just, just looking at it on the level of speculative fiction and the scope, the grandiosity of the scale of what Marvel is pr- proposing here with, again, a villain who has just sort of had this invisible hand throughout all of existence. Everything you've seen in the MCU has sort of been orchestrated to satisfy his need to have a stable timeline. Uh, It it was really like a Wizard of Oz level style uh, reveal. And I can't think of having felt that way with any other franchise in a long time. So a lot of kudos to them. I'm also really stunned by the idea that I'm one of those guys that watches the action stuff. I was blown away by Black Widow's action sequences. Love the fight choreography in Loki for the most part, but like, like I said, once Kang came in, 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 in the door, and the elevator opened, I was so open to an ec- to this pivotal episode in the MCU canon, which does most of its work through, uh, through exposition, through incredible acting. uh, uh, it, it was just amazing to not have that, you know, need a whole lot of action to drive it. Although for the action junkies, you do get a little bit of tit for tat with the two Lokis going at each other. So uh, as always, I think the, the reviewers tend to be, um, I've, I've, the reviews I've read on IMDb and in Rotten Tomatoes have tended to be a little bit, um, I don't want to say self-serving, but the, but they definitely downplay how great this series has been they were much more appreciative of WandaVision because of the send-offs to early sitcoms and I think that's a place where they understood that they're like oh yeah I know the Dick Van Dyke show and you know I went through four or five years of media studies or, or critical review so I'm gonna give this uh, a high grade but when it comes to Loki it's like all right this is esoteric sci-fi and 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 fantasy I, I like what the actors are doing because they're all at the top of their game and classically trained. But as far as the story, you you know, I feel like the reviewers have been a little soft on it.
2: Nice. Nice. Uh, uh, I would totally agree with you on that whole point there. Uh, I totally agree. Like, yeah, when that, those doors open, you kind of, everything just kind of like that, you know, the, the kitty light going on, on Kang there, because it just like became so like, that's like, exactly what you're looking for uh what are your thoughts taylor
3: well as far as the uh review that jeff read i mean guy sounds like he, he mostly appreciates the sh- the show uh and i agree with him it's a great show and it's very important i didn't like that crack about wandavision though uh <laughs> wandavision, WandaVision <laughs> is a fantastic show and it did not shy away from anything in my opinion so uh, other than that, I agreed with what the guy wrote, with, all the good stuff he wrote about Loki.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, our wonderful guest, Alexis, is uh, needs to bow out at this moment, so we will give her a proper send-off. We want to thank you for being a part of the panel tonight. We enjoyed all your critiques and all your comments. You did a fantastic job, and we hope to have you back soon eventually and uh, talk on another MCU Uh, you know, amazing podcast with us guys. And uh, if there's anything you'd like to say before you leave, feel
0: free to say. Thanks cyber. Yeah. Sorry guys. I don't know if you can hear my dogs upstairs starting to go a little berserk, but I should probably go ahead and get off here and go release them before they put a hole in the drywall. Uh, But again, um, I know you guys are going to talk about uh, the Black Widow film, and you're going to be reviewing it next week. I did just review uh, Black Widow with the Radulich and Broadcasting Network. Uh, that is up on uh, W2M. Go ahead and check that out if you got the time, or if you you know if you don't want to wait for these guys to review it, if you want to just get to our review, go ahead. <laughs> um, I. Oh, wise. I can promote my own stuff. Oh, (laughs) I see how it is.
4: We love the the religion broadcasting network very much here on the MCU's Bleeding Edge. So, Alexis, you
0: can plug away. Thank you very much. So, um, in addition to those in the Midwest area... uh, (laughs) Sorry, funny quote there from the chat. Um, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, my jewelry company will be appearing this weekend at Crypticon. That is a horror-themed convention. Really looking forward. So happy to be going back to work. And among the guests of honor there, we've got Michael Bean and Billy Zane. Wow. So, nice. Re- yeah. Real so gonna be have a lot of Love fun Love Michael Bean. Oh, totally. Me too. So yeah. The only man to have a higher death count than Sean Bean. <laughs> 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 but, anyways, yes. So, and of course, you can find uh, Honeysuckle Rose Creations on Etsy and handmade at Amazon. Follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, and be sure to check out the Legion Broadcasting Network. So, gentlemen, I bid you a fond adieu. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and I would love to be back on the show again before too long. So, catch you later. We'll see you evening. later, Alexis.
3: Right.
2: Good night. Have a good night. All right, so Jeffrey, Jeff, Jeff Amundo, Jeff for me, what do you think about what we've been talking about, sir?
4: Well, as far as the review goes, um, I feel like, for, hey, you know, it, as a fan review, I feel like it it, it, it covers the bases. Um, it also delivered for its finale and didn't shy away like WandaVision did. See, I, 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 I have to be on the same page with Taylor on that. I don't like them I don't like them bringing up the finale of WandaVision like that because I think that the finale of WandaVision was fine the way it was. Um I don't think that like I mean I love WandaVision personally, but um so I that kind of takes away a little bit from it. But I feel like um I would agree. I feel like um definitely this is definitely impactful in terms of the whole MCU and I wouldn't be surprised if You know, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if we'll see Loki and Doctor Strange 2, but I feel like there's going to be certain ramifications that are going to come from this series that are going to impact Doctor Strange 2. So from that perspective, I definitely agree with the review in terms of, you know, um, if you didn't like the episode, at least you understand that it's an important one.
2: Nice, nice. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, that whole comment was pretty on point I feel, yeah, most definitely. And I think there's a lot more to the episode versus what that comment says. But at the same time it just is a really I thought a very well thought out comment altogether. So I, I understand it and I appreciate it at the same time. So uh is there any other one, sir?
4: Yes, most definitely. Um this is a very this this is a very uh basic one but I, I think it would be interesting to hear what you guys think. I had low expectations coming into this episode because I was convinced that there wasn't enough time to kick off the multiverse correctly. Welp, I was wrong. Marvel freaking crushed it.
2: There you go. What do you guys think? That was very on point. <laughs> what do you think, Lord Deathman?
1: Yeah, I think that person nailed it except for the low expectations because journey into mystery was awesome. And I dared to dream when it came to uh, episode six, the finale. So uh, other than that, I think that person was on point.
2: Yeah, very much. So I think so too. Uh, How about you, Taylor? Did you agree with that? Or do you you feel it's a little different or? No, I agree with it.
3: I I think Marvel did crush it as far as kicking off the, the multiverse. Very much so, yeah. Totally
4: agree. Well, Cyber, if, if I can point out quickly, and I'd love to get you guys' reactions and actually get your, get your, like, ratings of the episode personally because I love hearing that kind of stuff. That person gave the episode a 10 a ten out of 10. I'm seeing a lot of 10 out of 10s as I'm going down the list of the reviews, like, along with the ratings. There's some 9 out of 10s, but mostly 10 out of 10s. Um, if you don't mind... Um, going around going around the table starting with you cyber and then you know over to you Lord deathman and then to you taylor cyber what would you give the episode or what what kind of rating would you give it
2: i give it a 10 i thought it was really well uh conceived i thought it was really well uh played out and uh i thought it was a decent uh ending to a season uh versus the other two series i would say uh i think this is the best ending uh to a all three of the Marvel series that they've put out so far, I definitely thought it was better ending than Wanda, and I definitely thought it was a better ending than uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah, I have to echo that sentiment. I totally agree with Cyber. This was a 10 out of 10 episode for me. I thought it was probably one of the most satisfying pieces of MCU content I've seen ever, uh, which is, again, in the middle of a week like Marvel has been having, that that takes a a lot of courage to kind of come out and say, but it was, it was so well executed. I think it was satisfying for fans and diehards like myself who are crate divers and comic book readers. But I also have a feeling that casuals were able to jump right in and just really enjoy the fantasy and the action and the adventure.
2: Very, very much so.
3: How about you, Taylor? I give the episode a nine out of 10. I think it was very, very well done. Everything that they did, everything that they tried to do was executed extremely well. But um, it wasn't a satisfying conclusion for the the season for me. Not an entirely satisfying conclusion. I think it was a little bit too too much of a cliffhanger uh, for my particular taste. So that's why I give it a 9 out of a 10.
2: Nice. Totally understandable. I mean, yeah, that ending can leave you kind of like with bad taste in your mouth, I I would say. You know, where like it didn't like completely fully go full circle for the the season itself. So I can most definitely get under that and understand that. Uh, So Jeff, uh, do you have the black widow trailer ready, sir? I do.
4: And just really quick, I want to drop an 8.5 on this finale episode. Uh Just to kind of like match up with what Taylor said. I feel like I, I, I feel very similar to what Taylor said. I feel like I love where it went. Great episode. But as far as I'm concerned, I felt like episode 5 was a better episode. It was stronger than the finale. Like that's that's just how I feel. Like I mean that, you know, like honestly, I felt like um I felt like the pace of the finale was a little bit uh I don't know. I don't want to say boring, but um Can you guys hear me? We can hear you. Yeah. we can hear you. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's my sorry. You
3: just you just started moving again, too. You were frozen oh, okay. there for a minute. Sorry
4: about that, guys. <laughs> hey, technical difficulties happen. But um, anyway, so yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I feel like uh, the pace was a little bit like slow at times for me in the episode. Um, but overall, it was great, and I give the, ep- the I give the series overall a a definite strong like ten out of ten. Um, but yes, as far as Black Widow goes, let's jump into this trailer, and then we can do our initial reactions of the film. That'll, which I think will be a lot of fun
0: you don't know everything about me I've lived a lot of lives before I was an Avenger before I got this family I made mistakes choosing between what the world wants you to be And who you are. We have to go back to where it all started. Where did you think I was all this time? We have unfinished
1: business.
4: My girls
3: are the toughest girls in the world.
1: I'm sorry. We had our orders, and we played our role. It wasn't real.
2: It was real to me. <laughs> to me, you were everything.
3: Rainer.
4: home. Oh. you see, that's you such a worm.
0: for sure. I'm done running from my past.
4: That trailer is fucking dope, man. I don't even care if I did already yeah. see the movie. That trailer is sick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that trailer, uh, that's the better one of all the ones they put out for it. And the music's really well done. The scenes they decided to put into the uh, trailer were just really great ones to put into it, too, because they were really amazing in the actual film. But all in all, I mean... The film itself, I would give a nine out of 10 um, because I just think it was a really well done film, especially for you know, since we've been waiting so long to get another film from Marvel, you know waiting almost two years now. Uh, I give it a nine out of 10 because I still feel there's a lot of plot holes that it did not fully uh, you know finish. I think there's definitely things that they didn't explain completely that I would like to see explained in the future or, you know, even if, you know, Kevin Feige comes out and says, okay, this is what actually happened or the writers or whatever. Uh, But all in all, the film itself was really decent. Uh, I actually just did my review for this for my YouTube channel earlier today. So that will be up in the next week or so. So if you guys get a chance, definitely check it out.
1: Yeah. You know, I love this trailer only because Mar- Marvel has is always on their game when it comes to marketing stuff, especially with trailers and their clip game. But I felt like some of the early Black Widow trailers kind of cut it up in such a way that they leaned a little too much on the humor. So if you were going by what you thought the movie was going to be by like trailer one or some of the promotional clips that came out in the earlier part... You would be like, oh, is this a comedy? But this trailer, you know, effectively balances the incredible action, the drama, and the comedy in such a way that if you were not on board with the movie already, I thought this particular trailer would do that for you. I've seen the movie almost like four and a half times now. So, oh man, um, I love that corner of the MCU that 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 Winter Soldier vibe, the the the, the sort of political thriller espionage. Uh, Geo hopping kind of thing. That is, you know, that that is sort of my meal ticket in the MCU. And I'm a huge Black Widow fan, you know. Which people say that, and I I don't want to, you know, force people to br- to break out their Black Widow fan cards from their wallets. But I've been reading her books for a while since the Marvel Knights days. I think in the comic books uh, around the mid 2000s, I really got into the character. So, for me, I think with a with a small segment of the m c u fandom, we've always wanted to see a black widow film. We've wanted to see Natasha. She's not just the girl in back with the two guns right to to us she is this kind of super spy in this morally gray theater. She has the most complex and and sort of layered. Backstory of anybody in the event, but
4: Death Man, don't you believe? Kind of, I don't mean to cut you off, but don't you think they could have really added a different layer if they would have just had a sex scene in the movie? Like, <laughs> you know?
1: she, t- if she could get out of that suit and 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 you know, like <laughs> that, that'd be a crazy sex suite Like, scene. The, if, dude, if, the dude who OJ, could get her if, out of if, that suit, if, if
4: OJ, uh, would, uh, or whatever his name is, would have would have tapped it real quick. <laughs>
1: OJ, <laughs> uh, you know, no, I, I don't. OJ think was needed. in this. <laughs>
3: yeah, you just need to go He's watch an the an OT. Avengers.
1: OT, yeah,
4: Taylor. Uh, OJ, OJ's in
1: the movie. Uh, OJ is <laughs> OJ is not in the movie. It's OT. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't think that this movie needed, um, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we needed a sex scene interlude here. Um I thought it was extremely well uh well executed and the and the more times I've seen it it has snuck its way into my top 10 MCU films so yeah I think they did a great job with it
2: Nice, nice. I just want to go over to the comments again here real quick before you go on, Taylor. Um, David R. has given us a few other messages here that are just really insightful and fun. Uh, He he brought out the point that at the end of Midsummer Night's Dream, the audience is told that if they didn't like anything about it when they woke in the morning, remember, it was all just a dream. It reminded him of that, which I, I can see that being, you know, Totally happening, most definitely, uh, and then incidentally, you must check out the actual meaning of the Wizard of Oz if you never have. It's equally mind blowing. So I think that's kind of interesting too that he brought out that point uh, because I mean I haven't actually researched the um, you know Wizard of Oz, but it, it is one thing that I have heard other people mention that before that there's like a fuller meaning to that story from Frank Albon. Uh and then he says, "Release the hounds." And then this episode said a new bar, 10 is insufficient, so he thinks it should be like 11 or 12, David, maybe a 15, I'm not sure. And then he said, I would rate them the same. They had two different goals and each performed perfectly beyond my standard, if perfect for me. And yeah. Definitely, definitely. And then he just pointed out that Natasha is one of the most complex characters in all of comicdom. She is believably questionably against someone eternally and always comes off as a hero. Uh, definitely agree with that. Yeah, he, she definitely is a hero no matter I, you know, Even when she was probably a Black Widow for the Red Room, I probably still would have thought she was a hero no matter what. Uh, that's just a really good point there, David. So thanks for sharing those comments with us. It. It's really great. Uh, yeah, so David Taylor. R's
1: been on fire uh, yeah. all night. <laughs> this is a, a badass right there.
2: Dang, yeah, that, I would agree. I would agree. How about you, Taylor? Uh, give us your go on Black Widow trailer.
3: Well, um, David R reminded me of uh, another line from A Midsummer's Night's Dream that I often recite as I'm reading people's comments on the internet, and that is, Lord, what fools these mortals be? Because they're usually wrong, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of really wrong-headed negative comments about uh, Black Widow online, and I don't know where these people come from. It, it, some of the stuff they're they're complaining about is not even in in the movie. But be that as it may, I absolutely love Black Widow. The movie was absolutely fantastic. The, it was powerful it was entertaining. The action was on point and, and huge. The story was great. The acting was great. All of the, all of the actors and and the characters were, were fantastic. Uh, I just, I mean, I can't say enough good about it. It was just terrific. And
2: I've only seen it twice. (laughs) I've only seen it the once so far, but you guys got to catch up. Uh, 4x minimum. (laughs) 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 That's how I was with the star Wars films. That's, I did six minimum for the Star Wars films. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, so so four is nothing really for me. Like a four is like that's mediocre. So six, I'm going for six.
1: Okay, I'm okay. gonna outbeat you, Lord Cyber. Seth, man. I, yeah, I see where you're coming from, man. I
2: see where you're coming from.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, great. So yeah, that that's great, guys. Th- uh, that all those were really great insightful. That's. Um, Yeah, totally. I would agree that this in a whole Black Widow was a very decent film. Very well done. Uh Oh, Oh,
4: we lost cyber. Uh, We lost cyber. He was going to drop. It's OK. You could see he was trying to rush things, but I'm going to go ahead and do my and just leave my quick comment for Black Widow. And then we'll get the hell out of here, guys. Um, Cyber's uh, cyber's iPad or whatever died. Uh, Cyber, (laughs) we love you, brother.
1: Yeah, Uh, man. Great great talking to you, man. If you can hear us.
4: Most definitely, the- great job, Cyber. You did a great oh, job, yeah. man. Great job. Um, so, anyways, again, I just want to sec- I just want to mention that um, as I as I already dropped uh, the bottom of the screen, if there are any uh, pink or uh, green haired Captain Marvel fans out there um, checking out the show, uh, please drop your digits in the uh, comment section for me, and uh, I will get back to you. Um, anyways, as far as the Black Widow film goes. I'm still basically where I was at on Saturday when we did the review on the podcast of champions, which was a great show. Um, we did a great job. And uh, just for those of you out there who don't you know, realize yet or, or anything like that, these guys are, as I mentioned earlier, from uh, the podcast of champions, YouTube channel, podcast, Taylor, Lord Deathman. I've been coming on their reviews recently and, uh, we put, we pull off some really nice shows, um, on the weekends and, um, we have a good time and we did a great show on Saturday, but, um, we did a, a really nice, uh, black widow review. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm just like, still very lost. Just like you, Taylor. I don't know what, like, uh, these people, these, these YouTubers or like these people in the media I don't know what they wanted from the Black Widow film, like what they expected or whatever. I don't get it. Um, you know, like it delivers. I mean, if you're an MCU fan, then you should be happy. Um, yep. and, you know, I don't really, you know, as far as I'm concerned, look, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a film expert, but I think they covered all their bases. I mean, I think that they, every, every, everybody involved in producing that film did a great job. Um, and the little tiny things I'm hearing, like the fan base, the, the fandom complain about, Like uh, how they handled Taskmaster in the film and everything and whatnot and whatnot, I think is kind of like little piddly, cheesy kind of stuff. You know, like it really doesn't – overall, it's a great film. Um, And, you know, I I envy you, Lord Deathman, having watched it four and a half times. I only saw it the (laughs) once.
1: Yeah, it gets better with uh, with each viewing for me. I notice more details. I love the third act, which people complain was another MCU CGI fest. But look, man, if you can get your third act to operate both horizontally and vertically, it, come on, you, you've already won all that yeah. stuff where she was jumping off of platforms and fighting soldiers in midair. That's the stuff we live for in the genre, man. So I don't know, you know what anyone else wants.
4: Go ahead, Taylor.
3: Well, no, I, and and that that's one complaint that's idiotic. Uh, there's another one, uh, complaining that there was too much family drama. I didn't. I don't go to MCU movies to watch family drama. There was like 15 minutes of family drama in the whole <laughs> friggin' oh, movie. Man. All right, that's called character development. It's called plot. <laughs> you know? What did, yeah. What the heck did you want?
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Backstory, you know, guys. Narrative.
3: Yeah, yeah the, I felt
4: like it it was It was sort of depressing the way that the movie started with the whole scene with them having to leave America to go to back yeah, to russia or it, whatever
3: It was powerful
4: yes, it was, and I feel like it set a tone for the film exactly. that that was if it wasn't there would not have would, wouldn't have been there um you know, and I felt like it established something very intrinsic for those characters that you relate to later on when they're all back together
1: yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, Jeff. The family drama and Taylor, that family drama stuff was needed to help flesh out the ensemble so you could find out a little bit more about them and actually care about them. That's what that family drama did for me when I was watching it. And I think there's headroom to still have a franchise. I wouldn't mind seeing more prequel missions to see uh, more of her career as a soldier I w- I, and a spy. I really do. I was yeah.
4: hoping they were I was hoping they were gonna make it a trilogy I really was when I first found when I first you know knew about the film I was hoping they were gonna do three um with her but apparently yeah. apparently she doesn't want to play the character anymore um so you know I mean um I feel like I would i i'm if if they if they wanted if they made more films with her it would it, it, I would never be unhappy with it because I feel like um I'm sad to see us lose scarjo like in the MCU. Yeah. I really am. I mean, she gave us 10 plus great years playing that character. And like you said, Lord death, man, um, you know, you, you know, she's an interesting character. Um, yeah. Black widow is, and I feel like they did a great job casting Scarlett Johansson to play the character. And I feel like, um, for the, the tone that they set in that movie with the family drama the the adult themes that the film had going on the kind of graphic like aspect of like some of the violence and like the death scenes and stuff like that i feel like with black widow from the comics you need that kind of environment
1: yeah and they delivered you know disney can sometimes shy away from darker themes and violence but yelena's kill on that senior black widow who had the antidote i was like that was pretty vicious that was pretty yeah. graphic you know, the widow, the younger widow who died falling off of that, um, you know, whatever that uh, column thing was they were swinging across on. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it really is lost potential not to be able to revisit a chapter two with Black Widow where she might encounter the Winter Soldier and, and you know, from those stories from the Winter Soldier movie, or even to look at Budapest fully fleshed out, because that sounds like it was a, a batshit 10 days for Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff trying to get out of Budapest and away from Draco. Um, I would have loved to have seen more of that stuff. And as a first entry, this movie tops what, what like a lot of third entries would be, you know, like it, it's it was approaching that kind of level of quality,
3: Taylor. Well, I, I agree that this movie is, is definitely in the highest highest level of quality. As far as going back into doing a trilogy goes, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I, I'm always happy to see more Black Widow, I, I, but I also don't mind if they don't do that or wouldn't do that. There, it, there's so much more going on in the MCU right now that I um, really don't need to look, look backwards at that. And I think this movie <laughs> stands on its own. It's fabulous. And I, I do expect to see more Black Widow in the form of yelena going forward in the mcu which i think is great too
4: i actually heard somebody tell me earlier today that there's not that she's not going to be black widow that that she's just going to disappear after the hawkeye series or whatever this and that i don't believe that for a second
3: <laughs> is that, i don't know what's going to happen well, We we yeah. know she's going to appear at least once more based on the uh post-credit scene um so we're definitely going to see her somewhere
4: she's she's very talented i i i i like i'd like to see more of her um and i'll tell you you know i feel like you're right taylor if if it's going to be a standalone film it's it's a great standalone film it really is um it stands on its own i you know i have a hard time even trying to rank it right now in the mcu just because i want to i want to let it breathe i want to let it live you know like as a movie like why it's still that's a a good
1: policy jeff I'm I'm too quick to rank and then re rank. <laughs> I, I so like
4: hey, your methodology. I More mean, death man. I I mean I think that you're I think you're very accurate and very on point and very well 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 put and well well versed when it comes to your you know your comments and your contributions to the show and everything and the other shows I've done with you and everything and whatnot. I respect you. Um, just like I respect Taylor and I respect Alexis and I you know I love Cyber to death. Um, uh, but at the same time you know like um I feel like we all kind of as mcu fans this is something we all universally experience to some degree maybe some of us more and some of us less and that's the fact that we all are human and we react initially to these productions to these movies to these tv episodes and then over time the the influence of other people's opinions and stuff like that and like watching the episode again for instance or watching the movie again it affects your opinion it affects you, how your outlook on, on on like your initial take of of like you know for instance of the black widow film you're influenced a little bit over time so like yeah. you know hey i'm i'm just like you i've definitely um i've definitely changed my mind about certain aspects of mcu stuff before in the past after like time has passed um you know like i thought it was really kind of uh like very like humanistic of your of uh, on your on your own part to be willing to revise your take on lamentis with Loki with the series with episode three like you did in the podcast of champions review on Saturday because I feel like you didn't have to do that.
1: Yeah yeah something told me that I, I was a little too quick to judge and when you look at the whole tapestry that they were unfurling there it fit in there perfectly. It was not just a, a mindless sort of detour, digression. It, it really added to the story.
4: Well, and and it, that falls back into like, you know, like what like Taylor's mentioned before. There's no such thing as filler episodes when it comes to these shows. You know, like um you either appreciate and enjoy you know the the setup the um you know the build up the world building and everything that's necessary in some of these series in order to make them flow and make them work um you know or you jump the gun you know and like you know and and become you know negative about about the stuff but overall at the end of the day um gentlemen we've been getting after it for over 2 plus hours not even including <laughs> our non live segment where we were just like talking like to nobody um so I just want to, um, for the MCU's bleeding edge for cyber and for myself, I just want to thank uh, Taylor first um, and Lord Deathman very much for joining us tonight on the show. You guys were great, as always. Um, we love having you. And yeah, um, thanks
3: for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Great.
4: Oh, no problem. Taylor, thank you for finding the time, man. I know you have a busy schedule. Lord Deathman, Audio or visual or however we, however we get it, man, we'll, we'll take your brother.
1: I will remain a man of mystery. I appreciate you guys, of uh, ac- uh accommodating my, uh, eccentricities there.
4: <laughs> That's our Hey, it's all good, man. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, like, uh. You know, since you've already got the uh, the um, the connection and everything with like uh, you know with the dark, with with Hades and shit, you know, I mean, um, <laughs> you and I might need to connect sometime down the road because, like, I'm a I've been known to um uh you know trend towards the uh, the uh you know negative uh part of like the uh, the heaven to hell dynamic. <laughs>
1: Look, I but can get part- your free pass if you die once. I can get you. <laughs> Anything beyond that is on you.
4: <laughs> well, Alexis, we love you very much. Thank you very much, as always, for your contributions. Um, Perry Ramsey, I hope you're doing all right, brother. Uh, David R., you are my friend. You are my, you are my brother. Thank you so much for, for hand- handling your business in the comment section, as always. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. And um, for the MCU's Bleeding Edge... And um, for Lord Deathman and for Podcast of Champions and net, and Taylor and Cyber, we are out of here. Peace.